Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and please join me in welcoming our television and webcast audiences to today's program. My name is Jennifer Sloan. I'm president of the Canadian Club of Toronto, and we thank our viewing audience for being with us. The Canadian Club has a long history as the leading current affairs podium in Canada. Led by a volunteer board of directors, we are dedicated to encouraging open and accessible debate on issues that matter to Toronto, to the province, and to our country. Through our youth and young leaders programs, civic action diversity partnerships, accessibility commitments, as well as through our media partnerships and social media properties, we provide opportunities for Canadians around the world to engage with leading political, business, and public figures. Thank you for joining our conversation. Before I formally introduce our speaker, I'd like to tell you about some of our upcoming events this season. On Friday, April 17th, the Honourable Scott Bryson, Member of Parliament, will provide his review of the government's economic record to date, outline the direction of the Canadian economy, and share ideas about how to help the middle class and those seeking to join it. On April 27th, Christine Elliott, candidate for leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, will be with us to outline her bold vision for the future of Ontario and offer her solutions to restore Ontario's position as a leader in Canada. And on April 28th, we are proud to recognize one of the country's most distinguished Canadians, the Right Honourable Paul Martin, with our 2014 Lifetime Achievement Award, an award that celebrates the lifelong efforts and leadership of extraordinary Canadians. For a full listing of the club's upcoming events and to order tickets, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. You can also join the conversation via Twitter and Instagram by following us at CDNCLUBTO or by using that hashtag. Ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, I'm pleased to introduce this afternoon's guest speaker. His political ambition began in grade five. Fourteen years later, his ambition was realized when he ran against then-Premier Bernard Lord in the 2006 provincial election. Six years after that, in October 2012, he was elected leader of the New Brunswick Liberal Party. And just six months ago, on October 7th, he was sworn in as Premier, President of the Executive Council, Chair of the New Brunswick Jobs Board, and Minister responsible for Innovation, Intergovernmental Affairs, Intergovernmental Affairs, Women's Equality, and Rural Affairs. Given the full depth and scope of his leadership responsibilities, you think he would be well into his middle years, like his other provincial counterparts. Alas, he is merely 32. New Brunswick's Premier, Brian Gallant, is a man on a mission with ambitious plans to address the province's fiscal challenges and to introduce new growth opportunities. He has literally hit the ground running, 
Just listen to one week's worth of entries on his Twitter account. Kicked off a science fair, made several provincial announcements, including the barge terminal project, which is part of the province's strategic infrastructure initiative. He promoted the natural beauty of Atlantic Canada. He launched an online training program for autism spectrum disorder. And oh yes, the release of the latest provincial budget. New Brunswick's 33rd Premier is the youngest Canadian provincial leader in more than a century. And leadership, it would seem, comes naturally to this trained lawyer. Just a few months ago, at meetings of Canada's premiers, Premier Gallant was selected to co-lead the Premier's Working Group on Labour Market Development Agreements and the Working Group on Canadian Energy Strategy. Premier Gallant, bienvenue. The Canadian Club of Toronto's podium, Canada's podium of record, is now yours. As a guy who's from small town New Brunswick and whose father and mother worked at grocery stores and fast food restaurants their whole lives, I am very, very humbled to have the opportunity to speak with you today and to obviously have a discussion about the future of New Brunswick and its role in our beautiful country. Merci beaucoup d'être parmi nous. J'apprécie énormément le fait que vous prenez du temps à venir discuter un peu du futur de Nouveau-Brunswick et bien sûr to discuter un peu du futur de notre pays. I have to say really quickly, when I ran in uh, 2006 for the Liberals against the Premier at the time, Bernard Lord, it was quite the experience. And I arrived at one door at one point, and it was someone who I don't think was following the election very much, and I knocked on the door, I did my usual stick, I said, hi, I'm the Liberal candidate, want to see if you have any questions, comments, concerns, and the person stopped me and said, okay, okay, stop right there. I said, aren't you a little young for politics? And I was ready for this, right? So I said, well, well, sir, you can't put an age on wanting to make a difference. You can't put an age on wanting to better your community. You can't put an age. And he said, all right, all right, all right, that's enough. He said, who are you running against anyways? I was pretty proud. I was 24 at the time. I was a law student at the University of Moncton. So I was quite proud. And I said, well, sir, I'm actually running against the premier himself, Mr. Bernard Lord. And he said, oh. You're not young, you're crazy. <laughs> you might have been right. Mais je voulais faire une différence et pour moi c'est la politique que je voulais utiliser pour faire une différence. I very much appreciate the fact that you all have an interest in New Brunswick and I very much appreciate the fact that you're here to find out what's happening and how we can all work together. I have to tell you for my speech I was wondering what I should talk to you about today and as I was thinking about what message I wanted to give you I couldn't help but remember about one of the first weeks I was elected to the legislature. We were there and I was the leader of the opposition. We had some veterans join us, which was fantastic. And as we always do, we thank them for being there. We thank them, of course, for what they've done for our country. Afterwards, one of them came over. He was probably about 90 years old. And he said, I want to introduce myself. I used to write speeches for Premier Louis J. Robichaud. And I said, well, sir, what an honor it is to meet you. Thank you so much for what you've done for our country and for our province. 
and to meet somebody who has written speeches for probably the greatest premier in New Brunswick's history, and I would argue one of the best premiers this country has ever seen. You've written speeches for an incredible person. I have to ask you, what advice would you have for me? He stopped, he thought, and he said, write your own speeches. which is probably good advice. So that's what I did today. One of the things I want to talk to you about today is what's happening in New Brunswick. Now some of you may have seen the Ibbotson piece in the Globe and Mail, where he spoke about the shrinking maritimes. I want to discuss that a little bit today. Obviously I have a bit of an issue with the article. Now we face challenges in New Brunswick and in the maritimes, there's no doubt about it. We face challenges across the country. So I won't dispute the fact that we have challenges that we have to collectively work together on to get over and to, of course, find ways to get our province on the right track. So I won't dispute that, but I have to dispute a few things that was mentioned in this article. First off, he spoke about the challenges that we have fiscally. Now we have fiscal challenges, there's no doubt about it, but I'd like to put something in perspective. If you actually take the government's debt in New Brunswick and in Ontario, and you compare the two. While you actually have a per capita amount in Ontario, per person, per capita, of over $20,000 of provincial debt. In New Brunswick, it's over 16000 There are other factors to consider, of course, but I just want to put that in perspective. He, talk about, he talked about our population as well. He talked about the fact that there's out-migration of New Brunswick to other provinces, other jurisdictions across the country. This is a challenge and this is true. We have to address this. We have to give opportunity for young people to stay in our beautiful province. But I'd like to put it in perspective again. From 2006 to 2013, there were actually more people from Toronto that moved to Moncton than Moncton moving to Toronto. And that's despite the fact that it was the heydays for the Toronto Maple Leafs, by the way. He also spoke about the fact that we have an aging population. This is true. This is an enormous challenge. I argue it's a challenge that we all feel across our beautiful country. And that's one of the reasons why I've, with the other premiers and my colleagues across the country, have spoken about the need for us as a nation to have a strategy to ensure that we're providing proper senior care as a country. But I still want to put it in perspective. For example, if you look at the percentage of engineers in Fredericton, our capital, we have more than Toronto does. In fact, we actually have one of the most in the country. Now he also speaks about, and this one was the one that probably bothered me a little bit the most, a sort of perceived notion that we're not open in New Brunswick and in the Maritimes to new Canadians. Well. If you scale the cities down and you do it on a, on a per capita basis, Fredericton actually has more immigrants than every single community in Ontario except for Toronto. Don't forget that Stu, St. Thomas University, very small university but a mighty one, actually has over 40 countries represented in its student body. And the reason I take it a little bit personally, this one, is because of my family story. My mother is of Dutch descent. She came to Canada, her family came to Canada and to New Brunswick in 1952. 
They arrived. They could not speak a word of English. They could not speak a word of French. They virtually had no money in their pockets, and they had 17 kids. So Oma and Opa came here. With, by the way, 17, those 17 kids produced 72 first cousins for me. So two or three of you are my cousins and you don't know it. And as Mr. Turner, Mr. Tobin, Mr. Zed, Mr. Marneau, and a few others know, having, seven, having 72 first cousins is pretty good for politics too, by the way. They came here to a country and to a province that wouldn't judge them based on where they're from, what language they speak, or even how much money they have. They came to a country and to a province with New Brunswick that would judge them based on their character, their integrity, their hard work, and their sense of community. So we are open to the world, and we are open for business. Now, don't get me wrong, we face challenges. I don't want you to leave this room thinking that we have no challenges in the Maritimes and in New Brunswick. But we are working day in and day out to face them. We are focused on trying to make New Brunswick the best place to live, the best place to work, the best place to raise a family. Now, what we're focused on to accomplish this is two things. We're focused on creating jobs. It's our number one priority. We are working with the private sector. We are working with all New Brunswickers. We are working with all sectors and industries to find the right conditions for economic growth. We're also focused on getting our finances in order. So these two things go hand in hand, in my opinion. If we want to get our finances in order, one of the best ways to do that is to increase revenues. One of the best ways to increase revenues is through economic development, is through spurring the private sector to grow. And of course, we need to get our finances in order if we want to make strategic investments in opportunities that will help us create jobs. Now, all of this is with one goal. It's to make New Brunswick the best place to live, work, and raise a family. We need to get our finances in order to be able to provide strong social programs for many years to come, health care, education, and seniors' care. And that's why we're going to work tirelessly to find every job opportunity that we can for our province. Now, how are we going to do this? Well, first off, we've recruited some wonderful people from the private sector to come help us grow the economy and create jobs. Second off, we have to change the way that we approach it. We have to stop thinking that government creates jobs. It's not the provincial government, the federal government, the municipal government's job to create jobs. What we should be doing is working with New Brunswickers to create the right conditions for jobs to be created. We need entrepreneurs, the private sector, businesses to start up, businesses to grow, people to invest in our province if we are going to create jobs. So we are going to focus on creating the right conditions. Now, one of the things we're going to do to ensure that we have the right conditions is have a diversified approach to our job creation efforts. So we are going to ensure that we lower taxes for businesses. We've already started. In fact, we have the goal of continuing to lower taxes for small businesses until the point of our, the end of our mandate where we will have the lowest small business tax east of Manitoba. We are going to work very hard in ensuring that people and businesses in New Brunswick have access to capital. That's why we've raised the Small Business Investor Tax Credit. 
We're going to ensure that we eliminate barriers for businesses in our province and for investment in our province. How are we going to do that? Well, we want to get rid of red tape. We need to ensure that, yes, regulations have a role to play, but they have to be the right ones, they have to make sense, and we constantly have to be asking ourselves how we can reduce the red tape burden on our businesses. We want to ensure that we have an elimination or a reduction, I should say, of red tape within our country. I was very happy to work with Premier McNeil from Nova Scotia in developing a secretariat that's going to help us identify what type of barriers exist between our two provinces to ensure that we can get our goods and materials across each of the provinces in an efficient manner. We are also in New Brunswick the most export-driven province in the country. So we want other types of barriers to go down as well. We're very excited at the fact that CEDA is in the forefront and something that is coming on the horizon. This will help our exports of forestry, seafood and fisheries, agriculture, and energy projects. On top of that, we're very excited to see the U.S. dollar be where it is and to see actually the U.S. market picking up. It's not good for everyone, but I will tell you in New Brunswick it helps our exports and it's something that we, we believe will be able to help our traditional industries and our traditional export opportunities. We are also to diversify our approach to growing the economy and creating jobs, going to support natural resource development and energy projects that we can do in a responsible and a sustainable way. We support the Trevelli Mines, the Sisson Mine, a huge tungsten opportunity in New Brunswick. We support the conversion of the LNG terminal in St. John to an export facility. And we support the Energy East Pipeline. This is something that we believe, as a country, we can do responsibly and safely. This is something that will benefit all of us from coast to coast to coast. We have to remember that we are already transporting a lot of oil, and by having a pipeline, we can do it in a safer manner. We have to recognize that we are actually importing oil, especially on the East Coast. So this will help our to get rid of the dependency on foreign oil. And on top of that, it's going to help Alberta, which is the largest oil producer in the world that is landlocked, move its oil. It's going to help us as a country diversify our export markets when it comes to energy. And it's going to help all of us create jobs, and New Brunswick would be no exception. We also are going to be investing strategically in our infrastructure. We want to ensure that we stimulate the economy in the short term, and we set ourselves up to have the right infrastructure pieces for economic growth in the long term. De plus, nous allons investir davantage dans l'innovation. Why innovation? Well, we want to ensure that we become the most efficient and innovative province when it comes to delivering health care, education, seniors' care, and many other important social programs. And on top of that, a focus on innovation will help the information communication technology industry, one in which is striving and thriving in New Brunswick. And that's why I'm very happy and pleased to be the minister responsible for innovation. And I, we are also going to focus on something that I think is crucial to creating the right conditions for economic growth and job creation to happen in New Brunswick. We are going to work tirelessly to develop a skilled workforce. It was once said that the best social program is a job. I think there's some truth to that, and I think it's about half true. I think the best social program is a job coupled with the opportunity to be educated and trained to do that job. 
So we are going to have a very aggressive literacy strategy in our province. We're going to develop a long-term education plan to get the results that we need in our province. We are going to ensure that in our province, post-secondary education is accessible. And we are also going to ensure that young people can get the skills that they need to be able to do the jobs that we have in our province and the jobs that we're going to create in our province. Now, to do this, we have come up with the Youth Employment Fund. And I want to take a second on this one because this is one of the things that I find frustrating when I go around the province. People that are looking for work and people who are looking for workers, but somehow we're not matching them up. The famous skills gap. So I dived in a little deeper to ask, like, why is, why is this? What's, what's the reason that you're looking for work and you can't find it? And then what's the reason that you're looking for workers and there are workers that want to work, but you can't hire people to work? What's going on? Well, it became pretty clear. The young people were saying, well, I apply for a job. I believe I can do the job. I have the skills for the job. But they tell me that I need a year experience, three years experience, five years experience. So I can't get that first job to get some of the experience. So you could walk away saying, well, that's not fair, and that's pretty frustrating. But from the business perspective, I get it too. They're saying, well, we, because times are tight, we, we have to ensure that we're looking at our margins, we're staying competitive. We can't hire somebody and train them for a year. We can't hire somebody without them coming right into the job, able to do the job right away. So there's a role for government to play here. We don't have to create jobs. There are jobs waiting for some New Brunswickers and Canadians across the country. So the role we can play is set the right conditions. The Youth Employment Fund will help us do that. We are going to subsidize six months placements for young people to go into the marketplace, get the experience they need. This will obviously help them gain experience. It will also help small, medium-sized businesses, well, businesses of all size, of all sizes. And on top of that, it will ensure that we have the skilled workforce we need in the province for the jobs that are there today and the jobs that we will create tomorrow. Now, it's not just about job creation. Like I said, we have to get our finances in order. Now, to do this, we've already done a few things. I've been in office for about six months now. I was sworn in on October 7th. By the way, as a few people that I mentioned a while ago would know, on October 7th, I got sworn in. Every day since, I've gotten sworn at. Now, since that time, we've been doing what we need to do to get our finances in order. I've named the smallest cabinet since 1965 in New Brunswick. My ministers and myself, we took a pay cut. Now I know everybody's thinking that's not going to balance the books. I know that. But what it is going to do, it's going to serve as a symbol to show New Brunswickers that we're serious, to show New Brunswickers that we're all in this together, to show New Brunswickers we're going to make these decisions even though they are tough. And I believe that New Brunswickers are ready for some of these tough decisions as long as we can make these decisions together, as long as they have a chance to be heard, which they will. In our first budget, we made some of those tough decisions. Now, some people from Central Canada would think that we didn't go far enough. We found in extra revenue and in reducing government spending about $150 million in our first budget after being elected for six months. Now, $150 million to some of you in this room and some people in Central Canada, I get it, doesn't sound like a lot. But for us, it is. We have a structural deficit of about $400 million. We have the goal of really tackling that structural deficit within our first two budgets. On the first, in the first one, we got $150 million, and we will try to find the rest 
through the program review that we're doing for our second budget. Now, the strategic program review that we're doing that will culminate with our second budget is something that is modeled off of the work of Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin in the 1990s. We had important deficits, an important debt here in the country, and they took the time to go through program by program, department by department, every investment that government was making. And they asked themselves, should we be making this investment? Is it going as far as possible? Is this strategic? Should this be cut? Should this be cut completely? Should we leave it as it is? Should we even invest more? It's an exhaustive process, but it's one that is worthwhile, and it's one that's important if we're going to get our economy going at the same time as we get our finances in order. So the strategic program review is on its way. It started, in fact, at the beginning of this year and will culminate in a few months in time for our second budget. Now, there's one thing that I really want to do today. I really want to tell you the other story, the other side of the story of what's happening in New Brunswick. So again, coming back to the Globe and Mail piece, talking about shrinking maritimes, I'd like to mention a few things that I think show that New Brunswick is on the upswing and New Brunswick has tons of potential. And you're not told this story very often, so I certainly was going to take the stage today and make sure that you hear it. In New Brunswick, we have the largest, most sophisticated oil refinery in the country. We have an LNG terminal that imports at the moment. There are talks of exporting it, which would be a huge economic boost with the infrastructure spend that would happen to do so. We have wonderful airports. In fact, actually, while we're speaking today, we have WestJet that is starting its inaugural flights between our two capitals, Toronto and Fredericton, as we speak today, showing you that there's expansion and growth. Now, in New Brunswick, we invented Scrabble, we invented the chocolate bar, and we invented the snowblower. You're welcome. In New Brunswick, people don't know this, we have the largest back office industry out of the 10 provinces. We have world players investing in our province. ExxonMobil, we have UPS, Xerox, uh, RBC, TD Insurance, uh, Cooperators, Wawanisa. People are world-class organizations and businesses investing in our IT sector as well. Salesforce.com, IBM, CGI, EMC. We find ourselves with a thriving IT sector to the point that in 2011 and 2012, in the ICT sector, two of the largest venture capital deals in the country were done in New Brunswick. McLean's Magazine has ranked Sackville, New Brunswick's Mount A 18 times as the best university in the country. No other university even comes close to that. L'Université de Moncton a des anciens et des anciennes qui sont renommés au niveau international, des personnes comme Antonin Maillet, Régent Thomas, des personnes comme Roméo Leblanc, qui était le gouverneur général du Canada. We find ourselves with UNB being ranked the most entrepreneurial university in the country. That's not enough for you? Well, in Fredericton, twice, recently twice, we were ranked as having the city be in the top seven intelligent communities in the world. St. John recently twice named the best place to do business in the country. Moncton recently twice named as the most competitive place to do business in the country. Still not enough while well, in New Brunswick, 
we have been ranked by KPMG in 2014 as having the lowest tax burden for businesses in North America and in Europe. So we are working extremely hard. We are doing the right things. We are focusing on creating jobs. We are focusing on getting our finances in order. We are setting up the conditions for economic growth. Now, there's going to be ups and downs, as you all know. I was very pleased to see last month in New Brunswick, we were able to produce, the economy was able to produce 2,100 jobs. Again, that may not sound a lot to you, but that's great for us. Since we've been sworn in, 2,500 jobs have been produced by the New Brunswick economy. We're very proud of that. And times are tough, there's no doubt about it. And to find ourselves as the only Atlantic province last month to create jobs, well, we're extremely proud of the efforts that we are collectively doing in New Brunswick to put our province on the right track. I hope that you will all work with me because I want to work with you. We have some challenges as a country. We have to work together if we're going to face them. Well, in New Brunswick, I'm here to tell you that we're going to do our part. We're going to right our fiscal ship. We're going to invest strategically. We're going to ensure that we have the right economic climate for investment and job growth. And we want to do this because we want to help our country create jobs, be a land of opportunity, and ensure that we have the best places to raise a family. And I care deeply about this because my Oma and Opa in 1952 came here believing that. And I know everybody in this room still believes it's the case, but we can't take it for granted. So I ask for you to look at what you can do with us in New Brunswick. We want to work with you. We want to support you. We want to help. Anything we can do, you just have to let us know. And I'm sure and I'm convinced that collectively we'll be able to move New Brunswick forward and collectively we'll be able to see a prosperous and progressive and beautiful Canada. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. On behalf of the Canadian Club of Toronto, I'd like to extend my sincerest appreciation for including us in a very busy schedule. The entire country is very fortunate to have a young, new, dynamic political leader to help spark interest in politics as a career. Your innovative ideas and reflections are a welcome breath of fresh air to the political landscape. Your plans for New Brunswick demonstrate a clear commitment to making a positive impact and contribution. The work that your government has already done in laying the foundation for economic growth and development is inspiring. Mr. Premier, your passion for building community, your commitment to creating new opportunities in the Maritimes, and your boundless enthusiasm is admirable. It would be our pleasure to welcome you back to hear about your results in the province. In the meantime, please accept our best wishes for success in your partnership, and thanks again for being with us this afternoon. Thank you. Now, before I adjourn today's meeting, I'd like to draw your attention to the event survey card that we have on each of your tables. 
The Canadian Club is always looking for ways to improve your experience here, so please take a minute and help us by sharing your thoughts and comments, including whether you like our new shortened luncheon format this season. We would very much appreciate the feedback. This concludes our program today, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We'd like to thank MediaEvents.ca, Canada's online event space, for live webcasting today's luncheon. We are also grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. To learn more about the club, please visit us at www.canadianclub.org. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Our meeting is now adjourned.